Disclaimer. South Park is the property of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. All opinions voiced are our own and not theirs. The following program contains educational course language and due to its hilariously inappropriate content should not be listened to by anyone. everyone and welcome to episode 22. My name is Amanda and I'm Sophie. We've already tackled some adventitious topics and we're excited to bring you more. This South Park podcast is nothing like you've heard as it dives into the complex social constructs and issues that South Park plays off. We hope you leave today thinking I learned something today and had a chuckle. Today's South Park episode is season 2 episode 10 chicken pox. This episode touches on rich versus poor and chicken pox. Before we start, let's do a recap. We're going to read you the recap because you don't have time for that. Shelly, Stan's sister, gets chickenpox and is rushed to the hospital. Since she is 12 years old, the disease has a short but very risky effect on her health. However, if she was older, she would have been under more critical conditions. After Randy and Sharon discover how dangerous the disease is to older kids, they contact the other parents. The parents decide that the boys should get the disease while they're young. Kenny gets chickenpox, and the parents use this as an opportunity to have the other boys get it as well. Aware of how contagious the disease is, they arrange a sleepover at Kenny's house and force the other boys to attend. So Stan, Kyle, and Cartman spend the night with Kenny. While at the McCormick's house, Carol reveals that Stuart and Gerald used to be friends, but once Gerald was promoted and eventually became a lawyer, while Stuart remained poor. They could not connect with each other as much since their lives were so different. Eventually, they stopped talking to each other. After the sleepover, Stan and Cartman come down with chickenpox, while Kyle has remained healthy. Kyle's parents organize another sleepover that night for Kyle. Kyle talks to his father about his friendship with Kenny's dad. Sheila hears them and secretly organizes a fishing trip for Stuart and Gerald. At Kenny's house, Kyle is forced to do many unusual things by Sheila in order for him to get chickenpox. He overhears his mother on the phone with the doctor, and Kyle discovers that his parents lied to him and intended for him to get the chickenpox. He runs away before Sheila can explain. Gerald and Stuart's fishing trip goes horribly wrong. They get into a fight over their income disparity and return home. Meanwhile, the boys ask chefs how they can get revenge on their parents and give them herpes. Chef tells them about Frida, an old prostitute with herpes, who may be willing to help them out for pay. The boys talk to Frida and pay her to contaminate their parents' things so that they will get sick too. After she infects all of their parents, the parents find the kids. Then Kyle finally gets chicken pox and faints on the ground. Kyle awakens at Hell's Pass Hospital with the other boys. Their parents visit and explain why they tried to give them the chicken pox. The boys then admit that they were the ones who gave their parents herpes. They all laugh over the whole situation, while Kenny suddenly dies of the chicken pox. Hello friends, for this episode, my topic is the difference between being of high socioeconomic status, aka rich, and being of low socioeconomic status, aka poor. For those who have been privileged to never have to worry about money, that's wonderful. I'm truly happy for you that that is not something that you have to think about. However, in the same world, we have a completely different experience for those who do have to worry about money. This concept of money, as we all know too well, 
is not just a little thing within our lives. It is something that affects our ability to navigate the world around us and the level to which that will be with ease or with difficulty. Today, we're going to look at the effects of this ease and difficulty. Fun fact, it is effect, not affect, because it is the result of something not being influenced by something. Clear as mud, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so first, let's examine the physical health of people with low incomes. This can look like poor overall health because of inadequate housing, nutrition, or childcare. This can look like increased stress due to finances that can lead to physical harm or increase in numbing techniques, such as increased use of alcohol, substance use, or tobacco use, adding to the already existent health issues. Even in countries with health systems in place, people of low incomes are less likely to reach out for preventative care services, as they can often not be covered by health systems, influencing a person's overall health. In a study performed by the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, in 2014 through 2016, they found that people living on an income of $24,000 per year or less had more chronic conditions, more mental health problems, and were at higher health risks, requiring greater social needs and experienced worse access to care compared to those with higher incomes. Next, we will look at some of the influences that higher incomes have on people. Research published by the Journal of Psychological Science showed that those with higher incomes demonstrate less empathy and compassion. This was done by showing different individuals different facial expressions and reporting their perceived emotion. So imagine I was showing you different pictures of different people's faces and asking you to try to put into words the emotion that that person is feeling. Whether that be anger, sadness, happiness, surprise, joy. Just trying to match up the emotion with the face. Hmm. Reminds me of the sad clown from Sims. Right? <laughs> But the results found that those people who were in the higher income bracket were actually less in tune to the emotions of others and less empathetic towards those emotions. Another study performed by Usley Berkeley tested individuals' treatment of others when being placed in a higher income status. However, the income status was fake. So basically, they had people play Monopoly and watched how they treated their opponents when a person was winning. They noticed less compassion when making deals in the game or when somebody was experiencing misfortune. And I think all of the listeners, and myself included, who have ever played Monopoly knows that it does not bring out the best qualities in you. The last time I played Monopoly, I literally grouped up with another person to get out as fast as we could. Because we were like, we don't want to play this game. And everyone else was like, we need the best cards. And I was like, I'm done. To make the deal. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, if you're ever wondering about this, observe your own behaviors when you're playing Monopoly. Another study out of UC Berkeley found that people who drove more expensive cars were also four times less likely to stop for pedestrians than people who drove less expensive cars. I'm sorry, you read that? And I thought you meant like people who drove expensive cars like ran people off the road ah, no. and I was like Jesus Christ <laughs> but now I understand like if a pedestrian's on the side of the road they're not gonna wait mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you have a less expensive car you're more likely to stop for the person who's walking like they're an asshole not a murderer mm -hmm. okay yes no murderers <laughs> not in this episode <laughs> so whether we want to admit it or not money affects the lives of everyone who lives within our society they say you can't buy happiness or love 
but it can influence your health and your compassion. If you want to learn more about how money operates within our society and how best to understand and navigate it, check out the Money Explained series on Netflix. It covers scams, credit cards, student loans, gambling, and retirement. So I apologize to our listeners. I guess I partied way too hard getting married and now I'm sick. And now I'm going to talk about a sickness. I'm going to talk about chicken pox. Dun, dun, dun. So have you ever had chicken pox? Um, yes, but I had it later in life. I don't think I got it until I was like 11. And then I am one of the unfortunate individuals who has also had the adult version of chicken pox, a.k.a. shingles. For all of our listeners, you don't need to be in your 50s. It can influence you sooner. I didn't know. Now I know. It's the truth. I remember the day it fucking happened. When you when you, I literally came upstairs, I'm like, my doctor says it's shingles. And we were like, no way. That's an old person disease. That's an old we're person. editing that out. <laughs> like, I saw a shingles fucking vaccine ad, and they're like, if you're over the age of 45, you should consider the shingles vaccine. And I'm like, bullshit. You're like, I didn't get the vaccine. It wasn't given to me. I have to wait, man. Anyways, that's okay. <laughs> I have also had chicken pox. I think I was very young, maybe two, but I have a dent in my nose because I picked at a pox and obviously whatever it does. You scar. It scarred my nose. Never tell. Oh, it's like one of my favorite parts of my body, weirdly enough. Aww. I always look at it and I'm always like, I know. Anyway. Well, then you can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please compliment me on my chicken pox scar. So more than 95% of American adults have had chicken pox and about Four million people get chickenpox every year. Since the chickenpox vaccine was introduced in 1995, less and less children are getting the disease. And that's why we got chickenpox. Because we wouldn't have been able to get the vaccine. Because we were born around then. Yes. We're not going to age ourselves too much. <laughs> You're like, I'm not in my 60s. <laughs> then we're just going to say that, yeah. Chickenpox is a highly infectious childhood disease caused by the Vasella zuster virus. VZV, a form of the herpes virus. This virus can also cause a painful skin rash called shingles later in life. After someone has had chickenpox, the virus stays dormant, resting in the nervous system for the rest of their life. The virus can reactivate or wake up later as shingles. The first documented use of the term chickenpox was in 1658. Various explanations have been suggested for the use of chicken in the name, one being the relative mildness of the disease. Chickenpox is an airborne disease which spreads easily from one person to the next through the coughs and sneezes of an infected person. Chickenpox often starts with a classic rash with fever, headache, sore throat, or stomachache. These symptoms may last for a few days with a fever in the range of 101 to 102 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.3 to 38.8 degrees Celsius. The red itchy skin rash usually starts on the back or belly and face. Then it spreads to almost everywhere else on the body. The rash begins as many small red bumps that look like pimples or insect bites. They appear in waves over two to four days, then develop into thin-walled blisters filled with fluid. The blister walls break, leaving open sores, which finally crust over to become dry brown scabs. Sorry, it's kind of gross. <laughs> it is said in the South Park episode that, quote, the pox will be harder to cure if contracted as an adult, to the point of becoming potentially lethal, end quote. Even though this is somewhat accurate, a fatality caused by chickenpox is exceedingly rare. 
So like I said previously, with the introduction of a vaccine, it has resulted in a decrease in the number of cases and complications from the disease. However, complications may occasionally include pneumonia, inflammation of the brain, and bacterial skin infections. And you might be asking yourself, do parents really send their kids to pox parties? Yes. Such parties were done before vaccines were available to, quote, get it over with, or because it was believed childhood disease would be less severe than disease as an adult. Some parents even using social network services to make contact with strangers. That sounds so creepy. I'm just Sorry. picturing like a back alley, like, hey, is your kid up the pox? Well, the worst part is what they were doing. So they're contacting these strangers to attempt to collect infected materials such as children infected with... Oh, sorry. Yeah, so they're attempting to collect infected materials such as saliva on licked lollipops. <laughs> That's so creepy. What the fuck? So the unknown person then mails the potentially infectious matter to the requester who gives it or feeds it to their child in the hope that the child will become ill. Experts say it is unlikely that these methods will transmit the childpox virus effectively or reliably because the virus cannot survive for very long on the surface of such items. However, it might be able to transmit other diseases including hepatitis B, group A, a streptococcal infection, and staph infections. Dangerous diseases to which the parents never intended to expose their children. I mean, I knew strangers sent, like, socks in the mail. <laughs> I like that you said socks. I, I chose to go PG. I already said the F-bomb once this episode. I think we <laughs> you already did. Oh, my God. <laughs> I legit said it, and I was like, okay, Amanda, you've had your one. <laughs> Amanda's the reason why this podcast is explicit. <laughs> Yes, you're right, right? People send weird stuff in the mail. And as someone, myself, who has worked at the post office, you can send some really weird shit in the mail. There are a lot of things you can't send for sure, but you can send bees. Like the bzz, bzz. Yeah, you can send those. There's a regulation on them. I believe you can only send one queen and a couple of worker bees by themselves. Yeah, the day that notice came out that bees could be sent in the mail, I was like, hmm, two weeks notice? I can't deal with bees in a box. No, thank you. That seems like a combination for disaster. Exactly. It sounds like a children's book. Bees in a box. That should be our title. Actually, pausing the recording real quick. You accidentally said child's pox. <laughs> oh, so no. I was going to correct you, but then I'm like, no, that's the title of our episode. Child's pox. Yes. <laughs> child box. Oh, child box. No, child pox. Oh, I did say child pox. Yeah. That's well, okay. Was that about? It was like right at the beginning of this paragraph. You said it. And I was like, ah, ah, ah. I was like, no, I'm going to leave it because no. then it can be our title. I agree. It's in there now. It's child pox now. But now the vaccine is out. People will stop these parties, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> During... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just had her disappointment in your voice. Like, no. <laughs> People, please. During the 2009 swine flu pandemic in Canada, doctors noted an increase in what was termed flu parties or flu flings. These gatherings, as with the pox parties, were designed to allow a parent's child to contract the swine flu. The idea, the parents believed, was that by allowing their child to get ill with the virus now, which it caused mild illness, these children would be immune if the virus were ever to change to become more infectious. Dr. Michael Gardam, Director of Infection Prevention and Control with the University Health Network in Toronto, told Canada AM, Flu flings are a bad idea for a number of reasons. Quote, First off, not all people have mild disease from H1N1. A small percentage develop serious disease. 
Can you imagine being the parent who intentionally gets their kid infected only to have their child end up in the ICU later? Second of all, even if parents think they can control when their child gets sick with these parties, as some parents did with chickenpox parties in previous generations, parents can't control how far the infection will spread. Unlike chickenpox parties, where typically the adults have already had the infection, in this case, your child could get infected and then come home and give it to everyone else in the family. End quote. All this talk about pox has me thinking about another pox, smallpox. Chickenpox was not separated from smallpox until the late 19th century, as they have similar symptoms of a rash. Smallpox was one of the deadliest diseases known to humans, and to date, in 2016, the only human disease to have been eradicated by a vaccination. <gasps> what? Modern medicine. <gasps> The origin of smallpox is unknown. The finding of smallpox-like rashes on Egyptian mummies suggests that smallpox has existed for at least 3,000 years. The term smallpox was first used in Britain in the early 16th century to distinguish the disease from syphilis, which was then known as the Great Pox. Most people with smallpox recovered, but about 3 out of every 10, so 30%, with the disease died. Many smallpox survivors have permanent scars over large areas of their body, especially their faces, and some are left blind. Because smallpox was so deadly, the British... Hmm. British are coming. Yeah, the British. Oh, guys. As quoted from another episode, we did some shit. The British used smallpox as a biological warfare agent at the siege of Fort Pitt during the French and Indian Wars, so that's between 1754 to 1763, against France and its Native American allies. British officers, including the top British commanding generals, ordered, sanctioned, paid for, and conducted the use of smallpox against the Native Americans. As described by historians, quote, There is no doubt that British military authorities approved of attempts to spread smallpox among the enemy, and it was deliberate British policy to infect the Indians with smallpox, end quote. On June 24, 1763, William Trent, a local trader and commander of the Fort Pitt Milita, wrote, quote, Out of our regard for them, we gave them two blankets and a handkerchief out of the smallpox hospital. I hope it will have the desired effect, end quote. Because there is a history of using smallpox as a biological weapon, the CDC has a section on their website currently to prepare for a possible but unlikely biological attack. But don't worry. No one has gotten smallpox naturally since 1977, and we're going to keep it that way. Now, what we want to do for each episode is provide you with a place to learn more. Check out immunize.ca. Their goal is to contribute to the control, elimination, eradication of vaccine-preventable diseases in Canada. It's a really awesome website, and it tells you every single vaccination there is out there. So, Sophie, what was your favorite part of this episode? Well, I love after doing research on chickenpox that it's obviously the herpes virus. So when they come back and they infect their parents with herpes, my favorite part is when all the parents come into the hospital and they've got sores around their mouth and, you know, Cartman's so disappointed that Mrs. Cartman doesn't have anything and she's like, don't worry, I got it somewhere else. And he goes, hooray! And it's just that joy of like, yes, my mom has herpes. My mother is suffering. <laughs> my mom has herpes. And down there, you know? And I was just, yeah, that, that's, that's a weird part. Well, Matt and Trey are a lot of few weird ones, and this, this counts as one of your weird ones. I feel like, though, as Carmen, it just sums him up. Yeah, that's true. He's that's just true. weird. I feel like we're going to get to the true Cartman identity episode in a few seasons here, and we're going to have a lot to say about that. Yeah. 
Yeah. But um, we kind of touched on it, but talk about Kenny dying. Oh, yeah. So close to the end of the episode, Kenny's laughing with everybody. He's having a good time. And he just flatlines due to contracting a fatal case of chickenpox, which I did not know before this episode was fatal and a valid death. Extremely rare. But fatal. Mm-hmm. And I have since had an argument with a coworker about it. Like, you can't die from the chicken box. I'm like, actually, you can. <laughs> so, way to go, Matt and Trey. Way to give us an educational death. <laughs> That's one word for it. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We will be putting out episodes weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at two female prime ministers. Reach out to us and let us know what you liked, how we can improve, and share us with your friends. If you really liked us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts so other people can find us. We hope after listening to our show today, you thought, you know, I learned something today. Bye! Bye.